Well, welcome uh, to Connect Church. My name is uh, Terry Pierce, and I have the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here. And for uh, four weeks now, we have been preaching to you a sermon series called Love Reigns. In week one, we talked to you on Easter Sunday about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We proved the resurrection has happened, and because the resurrection has happened, he is King Jesus. He is on the throne, and we honored him, and we glorified him. And because of that, when you obey him and you choose to follow him, you can experience the same resurrection power in your daily life, which led us into week two. Is Clint Morgan did a marvelous job of preaching to you guys about love reigns in our mission. And then week three, probably my favorite sermon in the series, is we covered and talked to you guys about the fact that love reigns in overcoming our past. What Alan just led us in worship and singing about and how the righteousness of Christ. We shared with you the theological truth that most church people know. We, we shared it with our seekers. We love seekers here at Connect Church that are not church people. We love you. You don't have to be church people to be a part of this place because that's who we love here as seekers. And we shared with you this thing called imputed righteousness that God has given you. We in the house know what that means, but the problem is we don't practice it. And we shared with you a message last Sunday. You got to get it on how to practice righteousness that he has given to you. He's imputed it to you. Now go on a daily basis. The gift of the Holy Spirit, his righteousness has been given to you. Now daily live that out. And that was fantastic theological truth to help you in your everyday living. Which leads us to where we're at this morning. That practical righteousness of Christ. Good stuff. Today, he shows us how it affects our future. Love reigns to give you a better future. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be sharing with you a message this morning. How love reigns over our future. I remember as a kid growing up, we didn't have Mario Kart and Nintendo, uh, but what we had that rivaled those things, uh, I'm just kidding, uh, was a magic eight ball. <laughs> and so we were living on the edge. Now, you have to know, let me explain something. So because of my, you know, fellow fundamentalist here that where I grew up in church stuff is you need to know. So I've gone ahead and, you know, cause some of y'all are getting a real cringy feeling when you see this magic eight ball. Uh, this is a pool ball. Do, do y'all remember back in the day? I know you do, Bert, you're old, uh, is that we had a little toy in the 70s and it was called a magic eight ball and you would shake it and it had little blue stuff in it probably caused cancer but anyway and had uh, all of this uh, thing they don't do that now I didn't know that I got this this week so I could use it as a sermon illustration prop and I shook the daylights out of this thing and it would not remember when they would, the little thing would come up and tell you you know what your decision you just made you know do I want to eat you know no stupid you know whatever you know you would shake it and have an answer there for you and I shook this thing for like 10 minutes well today's generation they can't do anything like we used to you have to push the button. I was literally 
throwing this thing out the window because I don't do well with patience, and I squeezed it, and the thing, I go, oh, that's how it works. Anyway, and so technology, but anyway, uh, so this is a new updated version, squeezed a little eight, but back in my day, when you had the eight ball, I wasn't allowed to have one as a kid because I grew up in a Baptist King James Only Fundamental Baptist Church, and uh, so when I grew up there, we used to hear sermons. I'm not even kidding, Tanner. Back in the day, yes, yes, don't you dare, I mean, gospel fundamental Preachers, don't you dare bring a pool ball into your house. Amen. <laughs> uh, don't you dare. Uh, and, and I'm not kidding, Jim. This was a sermon. I remember it as a kid that they preached on. Is I'm telling you what, brothers and sisters, don't you bring the pool balls and the pool tables into your house. We ain't bringing the bar room into the family room. <laughs> Amen. I bless God. And so uh, that was the way I was raised. And so we were not allowed to have a pool ball in our house, much less a magic eight, because we had to save our kids. It was our job to save our kids. You know, don't worry about Jesus. You know, it's my job. And so we weren't allowed them to have anything of the, This was demonic. This was worldly. Remember those? Uh, and anyway, so I did what all you Baptist hypocrites do. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. I went to my friend's house and played with the demonic table and the pool table and the whole thing. And I'm not going to lie, I had fun. I, and so anyway, so I would go to my friend's house and do the hypocrite thing. And I would play with the demonic, I just didn't tell mama. Uh, and I played with the magic eight ball and it was so fun. And I would shake it and, you know, and I would see, you know, and I would ask it questions. And I would ask it questions, Miss Marie. And I would say, am I going to make straight A's this year? And the little thing would come up, don't count on it. Oh, yeah, like he didn't tell you some of those things, too. I would shake it, and I would ask it a question, and I know it doesn't seem like it now. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I, don't even laugh. I know it doesn't seem like it now, but I wasn't always as cool as I am now. <laughs> and, and I was just really dorky, you know, like you guys. And uh, so uh, I was, I, you know, and so I would, I was really ugly. And um, bless Belen's heart. And so... I shook the little magic eight ball. Will I, you know, you guys need to do this. Will I ever get a date? Don't count on it. And so then I was really unhappy with it. So I got a little bit more technical about my future. And even though the preacher, my mom had said I was going to hell for asking the eight ball instead of Jesus. But I shook it and I said, am I going to ever coach a national championship? I'm a basketball guy. So am I going to coach a basketball team? We're going to win the national championship. And everybody's going to, I'm going to be the next John Wooden and Bobby Knight. You all have no clue what it is, but just with a clean language. And anyway, and so am I going to be able to coach uh, basketball one day and win a national championship? And it said, check with me later. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, that was the end of, I was like, like flip on this thing. Uh, so that was the end of my little magic ball experience about the future. Well, I want you to know this morning that I don't care what grandma and grandpa says about the good old days. We need to go back to the good old days. I'm telling you, I lived in the 1970s, and whoever's telling you that was the good old days, they were smoking something back then, I'm just saying, uh, because the truth of the matter is the 70s were terrible, uh, and I'm, you know, I just, I lived through it. Everybody was terrified of the future. We were terrified in the 70s of what the future held. It did not look good for America, did not look good for the world. Everybody was fighting. So things never change we're still terrified about the future. We're still worried about what the future holds and what it's going to be like. 
And here's the question that I want to ask you about your future this morning. And this isn't paramount. Everybody listen to me. What does God have to do with your future? What does God have to do with your future? Let's make it more personal. Is God really interested in your future? Is God really interested in your future? In your future? And here's we're going we're to do this real practical today. What good does it do you? And we've had far too much of this in the church world. What good does it do you for me to tell you and lecture you this morning on theological truth, and we're getting ready to unpack all this, if you don't, John Brown, go home and do something with it. This is the difference between Jesus' ministry and what we've done in American church. You all like to go to church and hear a nice little ditty and make you feel good or whatever, but you all don't like to let the righteousness of Christ change how you live, how you parent, how your marriage goes, and how you live your life. So what I want you to do right now, we're going to be real practical here at Connect Church. I want you to take out your notes. Good job. And I want you to get ready to write this down. Or if you're really cool and hip, take out your phone uh, and your app or notes or whatever. And I want you to, everybody in the room, to get this out right now. And here's the question that I want you to, to answer for me this morning. You ready? This is heavy. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? And don't be self-righteous on me. Don't be all churchy on me. You know, well, I worry about, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I'm just, I'm, I'm, as you write this down, what popped into your brain? More than likely, when I asked that question, and in God's house, he knew exactly what clicked in your brain when I asked that question, and more than likely, that is what really bothers you. And you don't want to admit it, and you're certainly, well, people are sitting around me, and I don't want to write that down. The truth of the matter is, God knows. What are you really worried about? And I want you to hang on to that, close it, shut your phone off for that part of it now. Don't let anybody see it, because, uh, you know, you don't want to be judged. So, but here's the thing. We're going to come back to this in just a minute. Here's what I want you to understand about the text today. Worry is an all-consuming use of our time, our energy, and our tension on things that we cannot control. We worry about our finances. We worry about our families. We worry about our jobs. We worry about getting sick. We worry about everything. The problem is, worry does not improve our situation at all. Worry does not improve our situation at all. The only true way to cure this sickness of worry is to put our trust in the love of God. Love reigns in your future. So in this paragraph, in Matthew chapter 6, the first, let me give you the context of this. This is where Jesus is building to apply. He, Jesus is in the middle. Uh, you guys think I'm long-winded. I don't care what time we get done. All right, so you girls are worried about their lunch. Anyway, and so, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is in the middle of a three-chapter sermon. Three chapters he's preaching on the side of a hill 
had a wonderful privilege of being in Israel and preaching on that very hill, Brother George, one of the highlights of my entire life. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount uh, there, and thousands of people are listening, and he gets their attention by saying, I'm getting ready to apply this truth about worry, but here's what you need to know. First of all, he spends 25 verses hitting them right between the eyes. Y'all think I'm blunt? Jesus narrows it down, and he says, listen, uh, and, and he says, Following me comes down to two things. Are you going to trust your money? I mean, he just calls them out. Are you going to trust your money? Or are you going to trust me? Are you going to follow your pocketbook? Or are you going to follow me? And here's what Dr. Michael Wilkins summarizes this text with, a great Bible New Testament scholar. He says, choose God. This is what Jesus was saying. Choose God as your master and place your worth and source of security in heaven who will take care of your daily needs on earth. Last Sunday, we talked to you guys about the qualitative righteousness of God, what it means that he has imputed his righteousness. And, and we've helped you define, you know this if you've been to church at all. If you don't know this, you've not been to church, let me explain it to you. Jesus has redeemed us from hell. He has not only given us his righteousness, but practically speaking, he enters. And when he gave you his righteousness, what Jesus allowed you and I to do, this is what you put on every single day, recapping last Sunday's message. Go back and listen to it in its entirety. But here's what you need to know today. Not because you deserve it. Not because your name is on this church row. Not because of who you are or where you came from. Nothing to do with that whatsoever. Just based upon the holiness of Jesus Christ being the son of the living God dying for your sins dying for your sins and mine and because of what he did for us we get to put on his righteousness somebody say amen and because of his righteousness when you don't feel like it because of his righteousness you get to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you the third part of the Trinity that Baptists forgot to mention. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So clean up the crap. Get rid of the trash in your life. God Almighty is living in your life. You want to walk with Him and talk with Him. But here's what it means. When I don't feel like I'm a Christian, when I don't feel all super churchy, and I don't feel like Alan was singing today, you tell the devil to go back to hell where you came from, because whether Alan's singing or not, whether I'm preaching or not, Jesus Christ has declared you righteous. And so you go ahead and pray, and you go ahead and give your fears, and you go ahead and give your cares over to a God who loves you. Because he alone has redeemed us. So he says, this is the state of mind I want you living in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where you guys get off the reservation. You're not home yet. You keep trying to find your peace and your happiness and your joy in this life. You are not home yet. And Jesus says, I want you to learn my love is reigning to get you through this life for a better 
future. Would you honor the word of God with me today as we read Jesus's message here in Matthew 6? Stand with me this morning as we're going to read this together. Or actually, you're going to listen to me read it, but anyway, it's just, it's a great text. It's a lengthy text, so I want to wake you guys up. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. This is Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount on the side of the hill. Nor about your body, which will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, and that's the word worry, which which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Would you just look at me for just a second? How many of us spend hours every week worrying about our future, and yet he is declaring to you and I, unequivocally, you're not going to add one scintilla of a second to your life, so why waste your time living in worry? That'll preach. Where was I at? And he says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. All I can think about is Miss Narda and Norma doing their flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will not be much more clothe you. O ye of little faith. That's a great question. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, talking about unbelievers seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all we're going to hit that really hard today so based on all that what do you guys do seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you we've quoted it we just really stink at living it Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. You may be seated. So now we're here in verse 25. And as Jesus unpacks this practical truth, once you've made your decision, you're going to trust God over your money. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, translation. Uh, I put it in Terry's words. I come up with this phrase this week as I I write my sermons out in manuscript form. And so here's the phrase that I came up with, Josh, uh, to to summarize this little little sentence. And I came up with this cool phrase. Um, And and I don't know if you've ever heard it, and and probably not because I came up with it this week, but I just came up with the phrase, don't worry, be happy. And so, uh, matter of fact, I told Scott Lewis in the first service, I said, dude, you ought to put that on a t-shirt. I think that would sell. I do. I think that would sell. Don't worry, be happy. Tanner, man, in my creative genius, write a song about that. I think that would sell. I think that would sell. So who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, uh, and so talking about not worrying, being happy, the word anxious. Now, let me dig a little bit deeper theologically here this morning. The Greek word for anxious there is the Greek word, and let me read it because I'm going to really butcher it, but it is miermino, and that's, I still butchered it. 
you won't ever know because you don't speak Greek. But anyway, I'm just telling you. But here's why I bring that word up. It is written in the imperative English form, which means, and this is significant, Jesus is writing this Greek word, memerno, don't be anxious. He is saying, you guys are living on edge, imperative mode. You guys are living imperative. You guys are living anxious. You guys are, are so just stewed up. You guys are so enamored with worry about your future. And he says, here's the point. That's the father's job. The father is just as excited, imperative, merno. Jesus is just as anxious about your future for you more than you are worried about it. So how about you pull back and let him take care of it because Jesus is merno about you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he is so much better at taking care of your future. Isn't that awesome? He is that interested in you. So Jesus says, let the Father do the worrying. His intense concern and care for every one of us. So what does that look like in your life and mine? I'm convinced that we forget about how much God wants to help us. You guys pick this stuff up when you leave here today. And you start worrying on Monday. I can give you the theological truths. Can I give you a practical way to start remembering this better? God is Mierno. He is anxious about helping you and taking care of you if you'll look for him. We had a lady that came up this week. We were hosting the state meeting. Uh, God's sense of humor. Um, we had all the Frio Baptists stay here, and, and which is a huge group. Anyway, uh, sarcastically, and uh, we Tanner and Andrew, we were you know it was just it totally it was nice, uh, sort of, but uh, it totally threw and screwed up all of our schedules. You know, I, I'm working on getting the sermon done yesterday, and normally it's a Thursday thing, and uh, and I'm just God's sense of humor. I'm literally working on the computer. It starts spinning. I was telling Nick Shelton about it. I had had a moment where I was very unchristian life and me and the computer had a little anyway and so it was just not very th- and so and in the whole time I'm literally frustrated out the wazoo because we've had all this stuff going on and God is saying yeah boy he preaching on peace and God's got your future and you're freaking out and I go it's not cool and then God spoke into me and just said I got this and by the way by the time things had settled down last night Everything got done. We're here today with church service. Crazy week. He just is really good. So this lady shows up in the midst of this chaos for Tanner and Andrew and I. And she's outside. And I haven't seen her in 13 months. And she's a member of our church. COVID. And you know what I did? I didn't go out and tell her my view. I didn't go out and preach to her. You know what I did is I just listened to her and her fears. And you could see in her eyes, 13 months without seeing the church family. And my heart ached for her. And we just talked, and we had the best time. Just catching up. How are you doing? I've talked to her on the phone. I've talked to her husband on the phone, but not, it's completely different. You all know. And I was able just to give her a word. 
of just being able to see the preacher and remind her that God loves her. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And whenever you're there, you come on back. We'll be here. We'll be here. I just loved on her. Didn't give her any profound things. Didn't argue or debate with her whether she's right, who's right, who's wrong. I just said, we'll be here when you're ready. And do you know, I believe that day, I was in here trying to do the state meeting with all the preachers, and the Holy Spirit pricked my heart, Miss Barbara, and he said, you go out and talk to that lady. And I said, but the preachers are in here. God says they don't, they're not listening anyway. So you go out, and you go talk to that lady, and you love on her. And you know what? If you'll listen and begin to look in your life, are you getting this truth down? God loves you. He is menermo. He is anxious about you. He worries over you. And Jesus wants to take care of you. And if you'll look, he's bringing people and truths and discipleship and the very answers that you need in your life. He's sending them into your life. The problem is we're too busy worried to see the movement of God working in our lives. Isn't that good? Jesus says, do not be anxious, but look for me to be the one who cares and loves in your life. Well, I know you guys are worried about stuff too. Matter of fact, I wanted to know what you guys worry about. So I put on social media text some people, and, uh, and on the social media text, I asked this question. So this was open to everybody in the world that wanted to answer, and they did. And I asked this simple question, what are you worried about? Because I'm a very profound guy. So I just simply put, what on social media, what are you worried about? Now, I don't have these on the screen, but just listen. And here's some of the responses that you guys gave. Number one, um, this guy wrote, I'm just trying to stay awake. Uh, I don't know how boring that guy's life is, but I got to know more about where to get there. Uh, I mean, he's just worried about staying awake in, in daily life. Number two, uh, now this one is the closest to my heart. This is the most, uh, I don't even know this guy real well, but he's got to be the most godly man that I've ever thought about. He wrote, as Free Will Baptist preacher, he wrote, uh, I'm worried whether Krispy Kreme Donut will go out of business someday. Now that is a valid concern to be worried about. I'm totally with that guy. He's gotta be a godly man. I share his concern. Number three is a person wrote, I worry, <laughs> I'm, I'm not there yet, I'm not this old, but I'm really getting close. This person put on my post, I worry that I put on my deodorant this morning as I get through the day. Uh, so anyway, I like that one, that was pretty good. <laughs> well, I must not have today. Anyway, uh, so uh, that, that was one of them. Uh, Rand, uh, I won't mention Rand's name, but Rand put, uh, will the Boston Bruins win the Stanley Cup? I keep reminding Rand, there's no Boston fans in Mississippi, we don't care about hockey. Number four, uh, number five, uh, will, and this one, this was sort of sad. They wrote, will any, I worry that will anyone attend my funeral? Oh, you guys are sad, man. Just feel, do you not feel any empathy? Anyway, uh, and then, this is my favorite one, though. Uh, this one person wrote, I worry. <laughs> I worry that if I eat Taco Bell, will it give me gas? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so uh, you don't have to magic eight ball for that one. Uh, so uh, my wife's looking at me. She shouldn't have read that one, but it, it, was, it was legit. So here's what I do. These are more serious, and these are what, <laughs> this is what you guys said, and they increase in the uh, familiar, in other words, the, the, the further I get down this list, more 
of you guys said these. These are the most popular at the end. But here's what you guys said in serious response to the question, what do I worry about? I worry about our government tearing our country apart. I worry about letting my loved ones down. I worry about will I get dementia? Will I get married? Baylor. Um, I worry will I be able, and this is a serious one, will I be able to have a child? I get that. I worry about the unknown. And then this one was overwhelmingly by far the most popular. I worry about what kind of world my kids or my grandkids will grow up in. You with me this morning? And I'm not going to lie. I hated this list. Because the more I read over your all's responses, I'm not going to tell you, I had an anxiety attack. Because I looked at all this list, and I go, dog, I am so screwed up. I have either worried or I'm currently worrying about everything on the John Brown list. And so I'm just telling you, I was like, give me a pill or something. I got all worried and, and, and anxious about the list that you guys gave me. And, and, and so I get it. We live there. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. But the truth of the matter is, is that we see in this text this morning that Jesus is speaking in truth into his disciples' life. Now hear me this morning. Jesus doesn't lecture us because you guys have heard this a thousand times. I am not preaching. Look, at, I'm not preaching anything that you've not been told a thousand times. Don't worry. Don't worry in church. Don't worry. Jesus got this. Y'all post your little Facebook memes. Don't worry. Jesus has got this. And then some of y'all live like you've never even met Jesus. You're totally encapsulated with your fears and your worries. Jesus doesn't lecture here. He asks questions. This is why we love discipleship at Connect Church. When we have discipleship, our leaders, and by the way, if you're a leader, you've got to get signed up this week. Belen and I will be coaching you on a supper this Saturday night. You've got to get signed up this week uh, or you're going to miss it. And if you're interested in discipleship, you've got to get signed up this week. It's this Saturday night. But I'm telling you, our leaders do not lecture you in discipleship. Our connect group leaders tonight will not teach you a lesson. They're not there to inspire you or to inform you. What we do is the method that Jesus used he asks questions because Jesus' role, and this is the way you need to be raising your John Brown kids, you ask them questions because you want to teach them how to think. Jesus wants to teach you how to think on your own. He wasn't there to be this masterful inspire. Matter of fact, people were repelled by Jesus. And so he asked the question, look at it on the screen, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. You notice what he's doing there? He's driving the truth home so you will think about how to do it in your life. School teachers, are you with me this morning? You know that the best methodology of teaching is engaging your class to think for themselves. Jesus is making the case that if he created you and I, he did it for a reason. He has a purpose for your life and mine. So for some of you, he wants you and I to figure this thing out. Life is more than food and clothing. And is it not fair enough that we quit worrying about everything? Here's the theological truth, the summary of everything that we've read here this morning in the text, and then we're going to apply it to your life and mine. I want you to write this down because this is money. Worry 
is inappropriate. This is the theological truth you hang your hat on today. Worry is inappropriate or wrong when it is misdirected, is in wrong proportion, or indicates a lack of trust in God. That's what you and I are doing. Would you like to know how to do better? I want you in these same notes to get ready because I've got like seven minutes here and here's what we're going to do is I'm going to give you three practical takeaways today of how to allow God to trust him rather than let worry dominate your life. His love reigns in your future. Number one, principle number one, I want you to write down God sees you. Yeah, that's that simple. God sees you. Well, no kidding, duh, preacher. Uh, I get it. Hang on. Now, what you need to know about the context of Matthew chapter 6, and some of you in this audience today, you drive me nuts. You, look at me this morning, you, go ahead and say it out loud because you know you do and you talk to everybody else about it. My life is the worst ever. My husband, blah, blah, blah. My wife, my kids, my parents, my, 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 my. We're all up to here with you. Let me explain something to you this morning. Well, Pastor Terry, you don't understand what I'm going through. My parents are going through this. My job is this, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you about the people that Jesus was preaching to. You stack up your little problems with the people that Jesus was writing to in this text. Are you with me? And the people that were listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that day, this is how they lived. Stack it up, big boy. They lived in a little cubicle, probably six by six in a little shanty type house. Animals came in and out of their house every day. Dirt filled their little six by six house. Their kids slept with the animals off the street. I'm talking about the pigs, the cows, whatever was out there. It was filthy. You went to sleep at night with the smell of urine that was permeating through the streets. Dead animals and the smell of decay, occasionally dead bodies would just be left in the street. If you were listening to Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount, Matt, your everyday existence, they had no water system you had to go out and get what little water you had. No sanitation system. These people were filthy, dirt poor. On your worst day, none of us have ever lived one hour like these people did. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. These people were destitute. They were hurting and Jesus looks at them, and you know what he does? He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't make them feel worse. He doesn't give them a Facebook platitude. You know what he says, Brittany? He says to them, Cheryl, he says to them, Jacob, I see you. I see where you're at. I see you. I see you. I see you. And you know what? I want to help. I care about where you're at. This morning, the message of Jesus is he sees us. Somebody say amen. He sees what's going on in our lives. 
the dreams these people woke up with every day, he saw their living conditions. Look how he says it, and this is the message that he gives to them. These destitute people, look at the birds of the air. They neither, and this is Jesus speaking, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Wow. So he gives them a word picture. He's standing outside preaching, James. Birds are flying all over the place as Jesus has been this lengthy sermon. These people are living in these conditions. And he says, I see where you're at. I know the pain that you're going through. But look at the birds. Look at the birds. These birds don't have any place to get fed. And he says, yet I take care of the sparrow every day of his life. I feed the sparrows. I watch over the sparrows. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, I love you way more than I do some little bird. And if I take care of them, I'll take care of you, Grant. I got you. I got you. I see you. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to come to this place in our life. And here's how we do this understanding of what Jesus was saying to us. We must allow ourselves to trade in. Write this down. We must allow ourselves to trade in what we don't know about the future for what we do know about the love that God has for us. Wow, that's a game changer. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. You got to decide today, this morning, today, I'm going to quit worrying about what I don't know and trade it in for what I do know. Are you listening to me this morning? And you know this, Mike, God loves you. He sees you and he's going to help you raise those two girls. He knows what's going on in your life, Shubart. He knows what's going on in your life, Danny. He sees you guys. He's going to walk with you. He wants to help you. He wants to curse. He wants to help you get through this life. He loves you, Mike. He sees you. He's got this. He's got it. He sees you. And why does Jesus say this to us? Because he wants to remind us to be motivated. Guys, we forget this. Look at me this morning. We keep forgetting how much he loves us. And our motivation is not about this life. Our motivation. Has anybody in here been saved? Has anybody in here seen his glory? We sang about it. Y'all just got up and clapped and got happy about it. Then you got to learn to put that into your daily practice. Don't forget about the glory you saw today. It goes with you tomorrow. You've got to keep going because of the glory that you've seen. I want you to look up on the screen. Uh, last week I ran, uh, thank you guys for the support of the Alabama Children's Home. Uh, I ran in a 5K and uh, it was uh, at the Alabama Children's Home in Eldridge, Alabama. It was all about the kids and uh, they had their very first ever donut run to do a fundraiser to help with financial needs of the Alabama Children's Home. So I ran in this 5K this past week uh, and uh, this last Saturday. And while I ran in this race, uh, again, it was all about the kids, but what happened was is that uh, they had uh, their first ever donut run and so when we completed the race in my over 50 age division I just came in first place now I don't care about the medal and I don't care about getting any attention to myself but um, you know it's, it was all about the kids but it really <laughs> It really wasn't 
about the kids for me, God bless them, but it was about the donuts. <laughs> and I drove to Eldridge, Eldridge, Alabama an hour from here. And when I pulled in, they had little kids running around, bless their hearts, you know, they were, you know, children's home kids, and so they, you know, all that. And I was, you know, God bless you, pray for them, you know, all that. But then I said, where's the donuts? And they go, the race hasn't started. I go, I, I, I ain't running until I see donuts. I'm not kidding. True story. I walked into their banquet area for the kids and stuff, and, you know, the kids were, you know, wondering, and they were standing around. When I walked in there, they had, like, six-foot tables lined up. And I wasn't running for no Walmart donut. I, didn't, I ain't running three whatever miles for no Kroger donut. I want to see KK. They better be Krispy Kreme, and they better be boxes full of them. And when I walked in there, oh, yeah, they had four tables of just boxes lined over there, and the kids were, like, opening them up. And I go, dude, close the box, dude. You know, you know listen, we're here for you. The donuts are ours. And so, I know, it's terrible. And anyway, and so, it's all about the kids. And so, um, I, I looked, and they had all the tables, and I brought money. And so, uh, and, and we, we did all this thing. And when we got out there and started the race, it was not the best course. It was loose gravel. We went up hills. We went on dirt, and we went a little bit of mud, and then we'd be back on pavement, and we kept circling three times around the children's home. I ain't going to kid you. I ain't ran a race in three years. This was about the kid donuts. And so, uh, you know, and so I was motivated for the first time in three years to run a 5K, and I'm out there trucking. I get about that first lap, and I'm telling you, I don't know what happens when you get 56, but it all starts coming unglued. And, and I'm just telling you, I was in hurting in places I didn't even know I had. But you know what I kept running? Yeah, there was little kids holding signs, you know, thank you so much for coming and helping us out and sponsoring us, all that. And I was like, shut up, put the sign down, dude. Where's the donuts? And so uh, anyway, I didn't say that out loud, but I thought it. But I kept running for the donuts. I had seen how many boxes were in that fellowship home. And Miss Mandy, the director, said, you're not going to get any donuts unless you finish the race. So I kept running. I got into that second lap, and now everything's hurting. And, I mean, I am tormented. And, 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 but I kept going. I mean, I seriously was hurting. I was cramping. Everything was hurting. But I remembered the donuts. And I come up that last hill I could barely breathe, but I knew the donuts were waiting. And I trucked up that last hill. And when I got up that hill, I didn't stop. I didn't go, you know, yeah, way to go, man. Yeah, for old guy, you finished, whatever. I went straight in the fellowship hall, and here's me. <laughs> I didn't care about whatever they gave out. Man, I went and got my first box, my first box. And I had donuts. And I said all that to say this. In all seriousness this morning, what is motivating you? Are you looking for shiny stuff? You know what happens to shiny stuff? They go away. They rust, they tear up, and they go away. You're not taking any of your shiny stuff with you. What you have seen is a God Almighty that sent his son to die on a cross. 
and you've seen a vision of what that cross looks like. You've seen a vision of what it is when the Son came out of that grave on the third day. You have been saved. You have reached in. He took you out of hell. He put your feet on the solid ground. You have seen the worship of a living God. He has saved you. He saved your kids. He has changed your life. Now why in the world are you thinking about quitting? Why in the world are you not coming to church? Why in the world are you walking away when he is offering to care for you? Amen. He sees you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Anxiety minimizes how much God thinks about me. The most profound counterintuitive point of this message is that our anxiety minimizes who God is and glorifies us. You want to write this down. We worry. Oh, this is good. We worry most about what we are devoted to most. We worry most about what we are devoted to most. C.S. Lewis says it this way. We worry about the second things, and we put them ahead of the first things. Jesus says, this is the way I need you to live. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Anxiety causes us to think less about God. Max Lucado wrote a great book. I don't agree with everything about him, but he wrote a great book on the, called The Burden of Worry. And in Max Licato's book, he tells about as a pastor having women come to him. And the women, you know what you moms do, really good, you're great, but moms worry. And he said this mom come to him and the mom worries about, what am I going to do? How am I going to get my kid to college? How in the world, on our meager income, are we going to be able to pay for our baby's tuition one day? And Max Licato answered a question, God will help you when the time comes. God will help you when the time comes. Another mom asked him, I don't know what I would do. Some of you all live in this fear. I don't know what I would do if my husband died. You will when the time comes. So stop worrying about it. You will when the time comes. Stop worrying about it. I don't think... Oh, this is the big one. This is what's your number one on your all's list today in Connect Church that you all do on social media, what you told me. I don't think I can take it when I raise a kid in this world and to know that they're going to go out and leave my house and go out into this world. I just don't think I can handle that. It won't be easy, but strength will arrive when the time comes. When the time comes, you simply have enough strength for today, tomorrow, he will give you the strength for then. Today is the day you rest in his strength. So what does that mean for me? Focus on pleasing God and he will take care of the rest. Focus on pleasing God and he will take care of the rest. Jesus said it this way. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Did we begin the message with today? And his righteousness and all of the rest will be added to you. I was at a Max Licato concert last night and with a group of friends in, uh, I'm sorry, Kobe Mac. Kobe Mac, yes, it's Toby Mac. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. I'm really old. This is the second sermon. I appreciate that save, though. That was good. Thank you. I was at, I'm an old guy. Did I use my deodorant? Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. That's <laughs> what you do when your pastor's old. That's terrible. Max Licato concert. He can't, I don't know. Can he sing? Yeah. I was at a Toby Mac concert last night and uh, was up too late, apparently. And um, he, in the middle of his song, said this piece. And if you don't know the story of Toby Mac, he uh, lost his son last year. And a very tragic, about 19, 20 years old, up and rising music star. A lot of story about suicide. Just, it was a difficult loss. Christian family. No rhyme or reason. And Toby Max said, you know what I'm doing here tonight, Mississippi? A year later, after my son's death, he said, I'm still going on. I'm still going on. Because my life's not over. I'm not done. I still got a prize to go for. I remember who Jesus is. And he's saying, and he poured truth into our lives because his life was not defined by the death of his son. God sees you. And Toby said something that some of y'all need to hear this morning. This wasn't planned in my message. That's why I couldn't get the name right. Toby said, I began to pray promises of God into my life when my son died. And I pulled this one out and I pulled that one out. But to be honest with you, those promises did not seem relevant because they were not answers. My son was dead. And I prayed a promise of God, but my son was dead. And in the end, what Toby was saying is that sometimes y'all put your little Facebook memes up and you have your little positive attitudes and, well, God promises that blah, blah, blah. And what Toby Max said, you know what I got to when I realized that the pain of this life, my son was dead no matter what promise of God that I was claiming out of the Word. Do you know what I found out was? When I reached up, what I really needed was not His promise, but I found Him. But I found Him. But I found Him. And what you all need to do today is to quit trusting in your worries, in your fears, in your hopes, in your dreams. And you need to reach up and you need to find Him. He is what you're looking for. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030 we sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.